Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. We are in uh, a series called Heart Conditioning, and we started that a couple weeks ago at the church picnic, and we've, we've gone through two parts of this four-part series already. So far, we've talked about two things, hunger and awe. Both of these uh, attitudes are meant to play a part in conditioning our hearts to be like Christ, to be like Jesus in our heart as well. As I've been praying through this series, the Lord has impressed on me one more connection between hunger and awe that I, I hadn't initially thought of. So when I was 19 years old, I was working at a paint store in Winkler, and one of the kinds of paints that we sold was a two-part or a two-component paint. It was the big can, the gallon of paint itself, and then there was a small can or bottle that also came with it, and that was called the catalyst. So what you're supposed to do with these things is you mix the catalyst into the paint, and it changes the makeup of what that paint is. So in the paint application, what it does is it, it typically makes it uh, harder or more durable. So once you've applied it to an application and it's cured, it's very resistant to wear and tear and all those kinds of things. So this last week, I wondered about this idea of two components, hunger and awe for God, being mixed together. If those two things, those two heart attitudes are living within us, what's the result? What happens when hunger for Jesus and awe at what the Lord is doing in our lives takes place? What happens when a Christian heart is conditioned by these things? For me, the desire to know Jesus that hunger provides, combined with the awe that we have when we see Jesus in action, is the perfect blend to create love. And love for Jesus is meant to be a condition as our hearts grow to be more like Christ as well. So I want to talk this morning about love. And uh, there's a lot that we could say, but I feel like the Lord has given me a very specific path that we're going to take on this topic. So let's pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Lord Jesus, right now, as we talk about love, as we open your scriptures and understand the principles of love that you have laid out for us, I pray that we would not be... Um, defensive or calloused or concerned, but we would actually just receive these things like a blessing. You, you said that you are leaving because you're leaving the Holy Spirit behind to teach us and to remind us of everything that you have taught us. So right now, Holy Spirit, we're depending on you as our teacher, as our reminder, to speak to us what is right. Guard our hearts against anything that is not from you, any attitude that may be resistant to you, and open us so that we would receive from you willingly and eagerly. Amen. So thinking about love this week, I've never met a Christian who said that they didn't love Jesus, right? And even if, even if they didn't, I don't think they would admit it. But I've met many Christians who have struggled to know what loving Jesus is supposed to look like on a practical level. Does the Bible give us an indication about what loving God is meant to look like? Because if we are allowing our hearts to hunger for and be in awe of God, love should be the natural result we need to love Jesus correctly, though. Would you agree? Okay, thank you, Donovan. So let's look at a couple of verses about loving Jesus this morning and see if we can find out what that is supposed to look like, okay? So Mark 12, verse 29, Jesus says, The most important commandment is this. And then in Mark 12, 30, he 
tells us what that commandment is. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now this is a verse that probably anyone who's been in church for a, a certain period of time, you've heard this verse more than once, okay? Now, I'm going to say something here to me that on the surface, this verse can sometimes feel a little ambiguous or vague. We all agree with it. Yes, of course, love God, love God, love God. That's, that's of, of great importance. But then as we go a little deeper, as we begin to peel back a few layers and ask some questions, we can struggle to describe how we're supposed to love God. Even if we understand that, you know, heart, soul, mind, and strength, that, that second part of this verse is teaching us to love Jesus, to love God in all areas of our life, still, what does that mean? How do we love God? Is, is it an intense feeling? Is it believing in Jesus really hard? Is it religious faithfulness? Is it a deep emotional thing where we can't control it, it just happens to us? You know, the English language sells us short of really understanding what love is in this verse. When I woke up this morning, I told Karen, I love you. A couple weeks ago, though, I downloaded the Cracker Barrel app onto my phone, and then I told my family, I love Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Are those the same kinds of love? Do I love my wife and Cracker Barrel in the same way? The right answer is no. That's also the truthful answer. I mean, I love Cracker Barrel. Don't get me wrong. If you live at our house, we sometimes will sit at the table. It's not that Karen hasn't prepared something that we aren't enjoying. But when we're getting close to vacation time, and we often plan to go to Cracker Barrel on our vacations, I say, guys, you know what I'd love to be right now? Cracker Barrel. <laughs> we just all have this moment of silent appreciation. It's, it's kind of beautiful. So really, though, Loving my wife and loving Cracker Barrel are two different kinds of love, okay? So if you're worried about Karen, I understand, but it's two different things, and even I know that, right? So the question that we need to ask here when we're reading Mark 12:30 is what kind of love is this love? Love in this verse is a Greek word. Let's get nerdy for a second here. It's called the word agapo. Right? Some of us may have heard a word that sounds very similar to this, a little more popular, a little bit more uh, note, made note of in sermons and things like that. It's the word agape. So agapo and agape are actually speaking about the same kind of love. We're going to get to that definition here in just a moment. But first, there's one important difference that is crucial for us to understand today. Agape is a noun and agapo is a verb. Okay? Very important difference. So in Galatians 5.22, for example, we read the fruit of the Spirit is love. So the word for love here in Galatians 5.22 is agape. It's a noun. Love is an idea that is being talked about, right? But in Mark 12.30, the word for love is agapo, a verb, which means that love is an action. So here's what we cannot miss. Loving the Lord isn't solely a matter of believing in Him, and it's not purely an emotional response to Him either. Loving the Lord is a decision that requires from is, is, is a decision that requires action from us. There is something that we need to do if we say that we love Jesus. So then the next question is: if we follow this rabbit hole, is like what do we need to do? 
Well, a more detailed definition of agapo, love, means to actively be doing what the Lord prefers. That's a huge thing for us today, friends. That means that loving God is two parts. First, knowing what he prefers. And then, second, doing it. That's love. Anything short of that, I'm, I'm not convinced that then we are loving God. So loving God means that we choose his choices. It means that we desire God's desires. We do what God has told us he wants done. If love for God is conditioning our hearts, it will have a massive effect on the entirety of our lives. If we say we love God and we, and we live out that love, we won't be the same person that we were before we knew who Jesus was. We won't do the same things that we were doing before we decided to trust in Jesus and give our lives to him. A new and invigorating level of activity will brew inside of us where literally the way and the purpose of our lives will change to align with God's preferences for us. To some of us, that might sound a little scary. It's like, man, I don't think I've ever embarked on that path before. Others, maybe we're seeking, maybe we're still in this hungry stage and are like, wow, that sounds amazing. Our heart of love for Christ will be shown in our actions for him. That's the bottom line. Once upon a time, there were two farmers. They were brothers, and they lived on the same farm, but in separate houses. One brother, he had a family of his own. He was married with kids and all that kind of thing. His other brother, though, was single, and he had been single his entire life, so he never had a family. Even though they were working together and their family sizes, one, one had a family, one didn't, they still shared all the proceeds from the harvest 50-50. One night, the single brother thought to himself, man, my brother has a large family, and he is just struggling to support them with his share of what we make on the farm. But I still get half. I still get half of what we make. So with love in his heart, he gathered a box of things that he had purchased with his share of the money that he knew would help his brother and his family. He planned to secretly leave that box on his brother's porch and never say a word about it. That same night, the married brother thought to himself, man, my brother's all alone. He doesn't know the joy of having a family. Out of love, he decided to put together a box of things as well. He included in that box a quilt, some homemade bread and preserves to warm his brother's house. He planned to secretly leave that box on his brother's porch and never say a word about it. Under the cover of the darkness of night, each brother set out across the yard stealthily to execute their desired plans. In the darkness, they bumped into each other in the middle of the yard and were forced to give some sort of an explanation about what they were doing. They came clean and they confessed all of their plans. They cried together and gave each other a big hug. From the actions that they were each willing to take for the other, they saw the love that they shared for each other. The love that these brothers had conditioned their hearts, or had it, it conditioned their hearts to the point where they were compelled to do something for each other as an expression of their love. What they did was based on what the other person preferred, or on their needs, or on what was in their interest. This is love in action. This is agapo love. 
So defining this one word, love, here in Mark 12, 30, actually brings a lot of things into focus, doesn't it? We understand that it's, it's an action word, and, it's, and the action is to do what God prefers. It's really essentially just putting God's will above our own. You know, if we're a little skeptical this morning, we might be saying, Jeff, you could be telling me anything about what the word agapo means, and I would have no idea if you were telling me the truth or not. That's good. I'm glad you're asking these kinds of questions, because you shouldn't just believe everything I say because I say it. The, the most important thing is that we go back to Scripture, and we find out, oh yeah, what Jeff said is true. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's more even that I've learned because I read the Scriptures for myself. So that's an important thing, friends. If we're a little skeptical, though, I want to convince you because I don't like leaving people hanging. I like kind of leading us all the way to the target, all the way to, to home plate so that we know for sure what we're trying to get at. There's a verse that I found that talks about how loving God means to actively be doing what he prefers, and it is so spot on and so plain that we can't miss it, okay? So John 5 verse 3 says, loving God means keeping his commandments. Is that not like so straightforward? There's, there's really no way you can say, well, but yeah, but keeping his commandments, that's a figure of speech. No, loving God means keeping his commandments. To paraphrase this verse, it's telling us, here's how to show that you really love God. Do what he says. This verse doesn't say that loving God just means knowing his commandments, although that is important, of course, but for God, but love for God is only real and alive if we keep his commandments, doing what with our lives what God prefers that we do. So can we love God with just feelings and emotions and head knowledge? No. Not a chance. Like, I'm not trying to say this to make us feel bad, but I actually don't want us to jip ourselves of the best relationship that we are in, in supposed to be having with Jesus Christ. So if you say you love God because it's just a feeling in your heart, don't stop there. Is there something that God is asking us to be active in doing as a result of our love? Yes. The answer is an obvious yes. So then the question is, okay, so we see that doing what God prefers is what, his, what loving him is all about. We see that keeping his commands is what we do if we love God. So well, what do you mean, Jeff, commands? Like, are we talking the Ten Commandments? Are we, are we talking about just the teachings of Jesus? Like, are we talking about the things where God speaks to me in, in, my, vo in my conscience or in my heart, and, and I'm supposed to hear from him like that and do those things? Well, I think it's all of the above, to be quite frank. The commands of God are any instruction that God has given us to do as a service or a work in his kingdom for his sake and for, for the kingdom's sake. So, there are many examples from Scripture uh, where God's commands give us an affirmative action to take. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. Don't look at it like that. This is actually a job description for people who love the Lord. When you started a new job, you are, you are being told, this is what this job is all about. If you love this job or if you just love getting a paycheck, here is what is required of you. So God is doing us a favor. He's, he's helping us to understand, man, if you love me, if you want to function in my kingdom, if you want to have a rich and satisfying life, here is what I'm asking you to do. I found a website that actually condensed all of the affirmative commands in the New Testament, and they had found over a thousand. 
So let's not be burdened. We're not going to go over all a thousand today, but I have a couple that I'd like to talk about. I'm not even going to give us a scripture reference because that would just take too long. But listen to this. These are the affirmative or positive commands that God is asking us to follow or to do if we love him. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So do good deeds. Give up your own way and follow Jesus' way. Pretty simple and straightforward. Okay, don't live like I want to live, but actually live like God wants me to live. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. So that's something that we do here. We do it during the week. When that, mind or our, that name of someone pops into our mind, it's like, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to say or do with that, but I'm at least going to call them or text them and encourage them and say, hey, I love it how faithful you are being at church or thanks for smiling all the time, right? Those are some things that we are supposed to do if we love Jesus. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Okay. Feels like a bit of a bigger ask at times, but still, that's something that Jesus is asking of us. Be faithful in prayer. There it is. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Let's all swallow hard together. That's not fun. But that's, that's something that we can do to show our love for Jesus. Be reconciled to a fellow Christian. Oh boy. Yeah, it's easy to forgive people and maybe work on that kind of stuff who don't go to my church or sit down the pew from me. But man, now you're hitting close to home here, Jeff. Actually, Jeff's not hitting close to home. This is the Bible, okay? So we're just, we're just reading what God is asking of us to do. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Let the message of Christ completely fill your lives. What does that even mean? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever stopped and think like the message of Christ is supposed to completely fill my life, totally inundate me, penetrate every fiber of my being? That's a command from God. It's an exciting command from God. Can you imagine if we, if we began to start achieving that? That would be good, I, I, I think. Teach and counsel each other according to God's wisdom. Yeah, it's not just about us, but we're supposed to pass on what we receive. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Submit to earthly governments and authorities. Oh yeah, that means no speeding. Yeah, that's one of those minor things that fits right in there. The law is the law. God gave us uh, government, and the government gave us a speed limit. I don't like following it, but I do, because I love Jesus, and I want to follow him. Pray about everything. That's a command. Live as citizens of heaven. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the good news of Christ. James 1.5 says we're supposed to ask for wisdom. That's a command. Seek God's kingdom above everything else. Privately bring a person's sin to their attention. Repent and turn to God. Now we're commanded to repent of our sin and turn to Jesus. Here's an amazing one. This is, this is something that Jesus instructs us to do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. I don't know what your theology is. I don't know what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're conservative or progressive in your faith or whatever. It doesn't matter. The Bible says this is what we do. This is what people who love God are willing to do. And it means there's a learning curve sometimes, and that's okay. But it doesn't mean that we pick and choose. We say, man, I I do love God, so I'm going to figure this out because I don't want to shortchange him and I don't want to shortchange me. So all of these commands from God, all of them require action, don't they? 
Like you can't sit still. You can't just meditate on these things and say they're great unless you apply them to your life. No, they don't really matter. We can't be bystanders in our lives saying we love Jesus, but you know, all these commands are just a little too much, a little on the extra side for me. You know, I wondered to myself this week, who's going to be interested in doing any of this? Who are the people who are going to sit up in their chair or have their spirit kind of percolate and say, yes, that is exactly what I want to do. Like, I want to know these commands so that I can follow them. Who are the people who are going to do that? And I, I kind of went to the, the negative side first, and I, I thought to myself, I don't think it's the people who are just trying to get out of hell. People who are trying to get out of hell, I don't think they actually love Jesus. Because they, they say, all I want to do is avoid this bad stuff, this punishment, but I'm not really interested in turning my life over to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I just want to avoid the bad stuff so that I can get good stuff, because that's what I want. But if we see Jesus for who he is, if we have hunger for him and desire to know him and his truth washes over us, and then we stand back and we look at how he's functioning in our lives and we're like, wow. That's the moment, that's the moment where all of a sudden love has a chance to break through and not only do we just want to avoid the bad, but we say, Jesus, I want the good because I see that you love me and I love you. I am willing and ready to commit to following your commands because you've done a work in my heart and I want that to continue. Would you agree with me, friends? Like, just agree in your own hearts. You don't have to say amen or anything like that, but I just want you to understand there's a difference between just wanting to avoid bad things and intentionally and lovingly pursuing the good things, the commands that God has given us. Sometimes we look at commands and just on the surface we can say, ugh, Man, more commands, more things that we're supposed to do, just more things to remember and that are going to steal away all my fun because I just want to live my life and say that I believe in Jesus. Do you know that there's actually another part to 1 John 5 verse 3 that we haven't read yet? We just read the first half. So the first half said, loving God means keeping his commandments. And now we went over a bunch of commandments. And the second part of this verse says, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. They're not a list of do's and don'ts that are meant to spoil our fun or to keep us from doing the things that we truly want to do. They aren't a chore or a grueling task. They are good. They're positive. And the commands of God even bring us delight in our life. Think about this with me, okay? Let's think this through together. If we hunger for God, we've, we're, we're going to learn to know the truth about God and, and that his yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's a good thing, right? That Jesus is our friend. He's not a taskmaster as we learn more about him. He lived a life of sacrifice and service for our benefit. As we hunger for God, these are the things we're going to understand. That he loves us with this active agapo love that we're talking about. He sacrificed his life for us out of agapo love. And if we hunger for him, we're going to find out and we're going to learn about him. We're going to know the truth and we are going to be in awe, right? So that's the progression, We'll realize how amazing God is. He loved us while we were still sinners. He answers our prayers. He cares for our needs. He, his will for us is good and pleasing and perfect. 
When we know God like that, we will know that God loves us. And in fact, he loved us first. He loved us when we didn't love him and, and we were even rebelliously disobedient against him. We were sinning against him. Our hunger and our awe, when combined, will create a spectacular explosion of love in our hearts. When love like that has made its home in our hearts, we develop a natural desire to please the one who we realize has loved us so much. We want to do his will. It's not burdensome. It's a delight. It's our desire. We want to do what God wants us to do. And in fact, love for God causes us to know that he could never ask too much from us because we are eager to love him in response to how amazingly he has loved us. Listen to these two verses from Psalm 119. First verse 35. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. This person understands that the commands of God are not burdensome. They're probably looking for direction in your life and say, Lord, help me to walk on the path of your commands. That's where I've experienced good things before, and I want to be there again. I want to experience that again. I don't want to stray away. Isn't that amazing? The commands are where he finds happiness. And then the next verse says, 143, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. How many times when, when pressure and stress are bearing down on us, are filling our lives, are pressing in on every side, we just go on our phones or we, we sit down and watch a movie and we eat comfort food or we call our friends and we complain and we, and we forget about pressing into the presence of God. This person says, when life sucks, I want to follow your commands because that's where my joy will be restored to me. Isn't that amazing? Like, what kind of God is this that we serve? What kind of God is this that says that when we follow his commands out of a heart of love, we actually benefit with happiness and joy, a satisfying life that is full of the things that we could never have if we just pursue what we think we want, what we think will bring us happiness and joy. I just love being impressed by God. Like, I'm in awe of him right now as we're talking about these things. This, like, this stuff isn't lost on me. I don't know what people think about when, when pastors are preparing messages during the week. It's like, yeah, they know all that stuff. I don't. I need these reminders, too. And I'm just so thankful that God is impressing these things on my heart right now. Okay, I got a story I want to work through here. I just need to take a breath. So I've been meeting with someone, not from our church, for a few months now. I asked him if I could share a little bit about our conversations, and he said, hey, any way I can help out, I would be glad. We've talked at length and prayed together about a, a difficult situation that they're facing. And this week, uh, he and I visited again. He was pretty downcast, and he, he cried while we were talking about their circumstances because it was just, it was coming to probably the most difficult part of everything that he had been enduring. But as we began to talk about how Jesus was meeting him in this situation, his face brightened. He began to talk to me about how he's believed in God for most of his life, but now, uh, but the, when he went to church or when he had been going to church and did all these Christian things, 
it wasn't out of love for God. It was out of a feeling that, that they got. They just said, it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something in my life, or it makes me feel like I'm earning my stripes with God. It was kind of that sort of attitude. That was their true motive, and that was their reason for being a Christian, what it did for them. They explained to me that living life like this, these are their words, not mine, it left them feeling empty with only an occasional feeling of happiness that very quickly left them again. This person told me that they, they drove by our church one day and they saw that our church had our, our website on our church sign. As a matter of fact, that's pretty much all that we have on there. And he thought it was kind of cute that a church our, our size had a website. <laughs> so he went to check it out and he began listening to some of the sermons. He's never, he, he hadn't been to our church at that point. They started listening to the messages from our Corinthian series of all things and they, they told me this week that they felt convicted from these messages. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's not the work of Jeff Peters. Conviction is what God does in our life. And he told me, Jeff, I have been a Corinthian Christian most of my life. I've made being a Christian all about me. Being a Christian isn't about me. It's about God. This guy had been going to church his whole life, and this was a new revelation for him. I didn't tell him to say that. I didn't teach him that. The Holy Spirit revealed that to him because hunger for God was in his life, and he was curious to find out more. The Holy Spirit revealed this truth to them, and uh, they heard that truth, and it stirred up awe in their hearts. They were amazed that they heard something like this when it was just them in an empty house considering these things all by themselves with no one there to teach them. Now there is a growing and authentic love for God in them for the first time in their life. That's what they admitted to me this week. They discovered that they have much joy and satisfaction and purpose in their life now that they have started making choices purely for God's glory rather than for their own happiness. Is that not like a perfect depiction of these two verses? This guy's following the commands of God and he is more joyful and happy than he's ever been and he's going through the worst situation of his life. Why is love so important to condition our hearts? Four quick rapid-fire verses here. 1 John 4, verse 8 says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if we're going to love, we better do it in the way that God has asked us to do it, because I want to know God. If I don't know him and I think that I'm going to heaven, I'm going to stand before him one day, and it's going to be a rude awakening that I was off, that I was wrong my whole life. I want to know God and follow him, because loving him is how I know him. 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. This is another verse that affirms that love is an action. John 14.15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, here's the way how, this is, this is what it's supposed to look like. Like, it just is actually so simple, so in, incredibly simple. We, I think we make it out to be something that it's not. We, we make it out to be this, this weird emotional experience that unless I feel like I'm loving Jesus, I'm not sure if I actually know him or not. Know him by loving him. Love him by obeying his commands. That's a very simple understanding, I believe. Last one here, John 14, 31. Jesus says, I love the Father and do exactly what he commands of me. Jesus even set the tone for us. This isn't just something that Jesus asked of us, but it's something that he did. He loved the Father, 
and following his commands was proof of his love. In my own life, I realized that I actually loved the Lord when I found more joy following his will than my own. It took time for me to get to this point. It it certainly didn't happen overnight. I started small, but I liked what I found in living my life God's way, following his commands rather than following my own desires or impulses. In fact, I found so much joy in following God's will that I began to seek it instead of just kind of passively observing it. I began to purposefully and consistently ask about God's will. I stopped praying. Just listen carefully to this part. I stopped praying, Jesus, please be with me as I fill in the blank, as I go do this, as I do that. Jesus, be with me as I do this and that. And instead I said, Jesus, I am not willing to move an inch until I know what you desire for me to do in this situation. I love how God has changed my heart. I wasn't always like this, but the more I live like this, the more joy and happiness I have. Hunger, awe, and love need to condition our hearts, and that's what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for how straightforward your word is. Yeah, we have to do a little bit of digging, a little bit of understanding and research sometimes, but Jesus, you you make it so plain to us. Sometimes we just need to get back to basics, and I, I believe that's one thing that we've done here this morning. We've got back to a simple truth that we've needed to hear. So Father God, I pray not only for love, but I first of all pray for hunger. If there's anyone here this morning that does not desire to know Jesus more, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction into their hearts And just compel them to hunger. Compel them to seek you. Compel them to want to know truth. Drive them forward in their life out of the hunger that you instill in them. And then, Jesus, from hunger, I pray that you would also reveal to them awe. Like when they discover new truth about you, they'll be like, whoa, that's something I haven't heard before. Or I forgot about that. That's awesome. And then when hunger and awe combine, Lord Jesus, I pray that it would be a catalytic experience where it creates something new and profound in the love that they have for you and where they would desire to follow you and the commands that you've given them because the joy and the happiness that you want to give is something that we all need to receive. Amen.